0: Welcome to episode three of I Quit Blank and Started Running. I am your host Antonia De Heinrich and I am excited to announce that this podcast is now available on all major podcast platforms including Apple Podcasts which is probably where you're listening today. I would love if you took a minute to subscribe and if you're so inclined leave me a rating and review. It would mean the world to me and my amazing guests who are all willing to share their stories with you. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the trailer, I Quit Blank and Started Running is a podcast featuring people who turn to running as a way to overcome a particular challenge in their lives. Join me each week when I share inspiring stories of where they started, what it was that made them want to change, how running factored in, and where they are today. My guest today is Jacob, who somewhat recently suffered two cancer-related losses within a short period of time and began running to cope with his grief initially, but then turned running into something beautiful. Let's hear from Jacob, shall we? Welcome, Jacob. So great to have you here today. I'm glad you have time to join me on this uh, beautiful Saturday. And um, I just want to jump in with a quick introduction. What is your name? Where are you from? And what do you do?
1: So my name is uh, Jacob. I am from Maine. And um, currently I'm a teacher. I teach uh, kids with special needs. Most uh, of them have autism. So I teach kids with autism right now.
0: Cool. Uh, in a school setting or is it more of an after-school program?
1: as a school setting the kids um have um we start at 8:30 and the kids go to 3 as opposed to um starting at 8 and going to 2:30 uh-huh um so but uh it's it's challenging in in its own uh, retrospect
0: um, yeah i admire difficult. you that's uh that's that's an incredibly giving profession so when was your most recent run and how did it go
1: well my my most recent one was probably last Sunday. I pulled something last Sunday uh, in my quad area, and uh, I haven't really run since. Because I hate that feeling. No, <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't too worried about it at first, but I tried running yesterday, and I did like a two-mile thing, and so I walked like the first – mile and a half and I tried running the last just half mile just to see where I was and didn't have any pain but it's it was severely uh like uncomfortable so I was like you know what I'm just gonna rest it the rest of the night I'll try again today hopefully I'm, I'm ready to go when I do my next race
0: yeah well speaking of uh running you started running somewhat somewhat recently, like uh, about a, half a, a year and a half ago. And you mentioned you hadn't been much of a runner previously, but, but something happened that inspired you to start running. Why don't you tell me about that?
1: Right. So, um, wh- yeah, about a year and a half ago, um, I was working. I was a full-time photographer uh, before I changed professions. And I had been working for this company seasonally. I did seasonal work for them um for i don't know it was 3 or 4 years at this point and everything everything was going just as planned and all of a sudden we got the word that um my boss whose name is Andy uh, had cancer again so we weren't initially we weren't too worried about it because i mean you you're worried about it to some extent obviously cuz it's cancer but he filled us in every step of the way and it was, the treatment was going well and he was Kind of um, on top of it. And then this was in the summer. when So we pick up our equipment in the summer, June or July, and then the season starts at the end of August when school starts, you know, start photographing um, for, for yearbooks and stuff. So the whole summer went by. We didn't think anything of it. We kind of kept in touch here and there, but I wasn't working for the company at that time. Um, I was working in Boston doing an, another shooting other things, but uh, it was probably September and um, we got the notice that Andy was not going to be handling things as much as he used to um because it, he was, things were starting to go, I don't want to say bad at this point because they weren't, he was just needing to take more time to fight whatever cancer that he needed to fight. And so the other owner, Mark, came in and started kind of handling things um, as opposed to Andy, which we were like, again, we were just like, all right, we get it. No big deal. You know, he'll be back shortly. You know, this isn't going to last.
0: Yeah, because he he had survived cancer previously, right?
1: Right. Yeah, he had, before I started with the company, um, he had beaten some sort of throat cancer and he had. One of those, I don't know what they're called, but he had one of those things in his his neck um, to help him talk because they took out his voice box.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: he survived
0: yeah, he that had, and then he got sick again.
1: Right. So, again, at this point, at the beginning of September, we were just like, they told us, they were completely forward with us. The whole company was just like, you know, this is what's happening this year. This is what needs to be done. And so we didn't think much of it. And then probably six weeks later, by the mid-season meeting, which would have been October, because we only worked for three months um, shooting, and then all the behind-the-scenes happens, the editing happens in the spring, and then the um, yearbook comes out in the, in the spring. So we were about halfway through the season, and or less, and things just took a turn for the worse. But he was in good spirits, but I didn't see him again Aww. after that after the, he, we saw him in the office, and then all of a sudden he just disappeared from, from us. I mean, obviously, because he had to take care of himself. Yeah, within, I would say, by end of September, beginning of October, uh, he had passed away from, um, from cancer.
0: I'm sorry to hear that. Um, there was another colleague of yours that also battled cancer, Rob,
1: right? Right, because Rob worked in um, the studio. He would go through the images. To my knowledge, none of the photographers knew that Rob was even sick mm-hmm. until the very, very end of it. And we got notified a week later, or whatever it was, found out that he had passed away.
0: my God. Um, and this was all in the same year or the same season?
1: Yeah, this was in, I, I would say this happened a month from each other. We went to Andy's funeral, I would say less than a month later, got noticed that Rob that when Bob passed away so Sorry. and it was kind of uh, which is I mean to each its own but there was no opportunity for us to say like goodbye we sent um, emails and stuff to his wife yeah um, but we whereas we went to Andy's funeral uh, we Bob didn't have one so we couldn't go to that so
0: yeah
1: um, so you had a you had a
0: a great relationship with andy right so what what was he like was what was special about him and what was special about your relationship and what did you learn from him do you you know how do you remember him now and 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 tell me how you started running because of andy
1: so Andy was like the i ni- I'm, I'm not kidding when i say this was like the nicest person ever you'd only see him for at least I would only see him for probably less than six months out of the year because we were all basically independent contractors. We would all come in, work for him from, you know, technically June or July till December. And then we wouldn't see each other for six more months. But whenever you saw him or whenever you had a chance to talk to Andy, he'd always ask, you know, how's it going? How's the family? You know, do you need anything? That was a big thing. Like he was, do you need anything? How can I help you with Your success, like,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, how can I help you be a better, whatever you want to be, whether it's a a photographer or in my case. I ended up telling him that I wanted to change careers, and he was supportive of that with the last um, year. I had sent him uh, an email earlier that year telling him I was applying um, for different jobs, healthcare, or teaching healthcare, this this kind of field that I'm in now. Yeah, He was extremely supportive of that. He was like, whatever I can do. Um, I told him I'm, I was thinking about going for my master's. He was going to write me a letter of recommendation. Mm-hmm. It was just like that, that kind of thing. He was just so warm and giving. I mean, he had his moments too, as we all do, but he was very, it was very soft-spoken. I mean, partly because of the fact that he didn't have a voice box, which we kind of teach him about here and there because, I mean, we were that close. But yeah, um, he was just so soft-spoken that when he talked, everyone would listen to him. And Mm -hmm. he was such a, that type of person. He wanted to know what was going on with each of, and that's why um, I have never seen a company with retainment rate that high. Each year we come back each year. There would be photographers that come back. I think they said out of the 60 photographers that were hired each year, at least when I was there, I think at least 50 of them came back each year.
0: Wow. Yeah, that says a lot about him.
1: That's, I mean, that's a huge retainment rate.
0: Yeah. Uh Andy was um, a passionate cycler, right? And triathlete.
1: Right. Yeah. So he, I'm assuming this was before I knew him um, when he fought cancer the first time. I'm assuming that he raised money for um, Dana Farber which is a cancer hospital um, in the greater Boston area and that was his like his major charity. I don't know if he had other charities that he put money towards as well, but he rose money for Dana-Farber a lot. So he would cycle, of course he had this you know the office life which we knew him for and then we saw bits of you know the running uh, the the cycling life that he also had. Yeah, he was an avid cycler and triathlete. Up, I would say up until when he He just physically wasn't able to do it anymore after he got sick for the last time. But I saw times where um, his wife would post on Facebook or something where he's got this huge group of bikers that, and they have an escort down the road where he was living. And it was just like this group of 50 to 100 cyclists that were just coming down the road, just doing their training bike rides. And it was kind of neat to see. It's just like the side that we don't usually see because it's obviously not in the office. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't think much of it. I was like, yeah, that's cool, but...
0: Yeah, and and after the fact, when you started running, yeah, tell us about that because this whole cycle of what happened between Andy's death and Rob's death and another friend who then got cancer, it sort of put you on this track of, well, running. First for... Your own mental health for you know emotional relief, and then it turned into something else. Tell us how you started running and what that whole story was there.
1: Right. So after this was like after the season at the time we all just kind of was like we have to focus on finishing the season for Andy and Rob, and just grind it out till the end. My head was kind of buried until December when the season was done, and at that point. I had gone on vacation because in the winter in the Northeast, there isn't many people with photography jobs. Right. So <laughs> I took off for like a month and went to visit my friend in Florida. And I don't know, I just got in my head that I just wanted to do something to, I don't know, honor as cliche as that sounds to honor Andy and Rob and everyone else that um I knew that had cancer that was fighting for maybe not even cancer, just, fighting in general for different things.
0: I don't think that's cliche at all. I think that's beautiful.
1: <laughs> I I didn't go out on vacation. We kind of, uh, with my friend, I was just kind of talking to her about it when we went on our day trips. I would talk to her about it and she's like, you know what, you, if you want to do it, then go ahead and do it. So when I got home later that month, I just said, you know what, I'm living in um, Salem, Massachusetts, which is like just north of Boston. So it has all these cool trails and um, just streets that, you know, aren't very busy. So I would, I'd start running on that. And um, it was freezing cold out. I will tell you that it is easier though, knowing what I know now to run in, the freezing cold. I mean, it was like about ten degrees. Versus- wow, that
0: is cold. I, I I remember running in Maine in the twenties, but not in the teens. But so hats off to you,
1: <laughs> or hats on, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you just bundle up and um, and go. As opposed to, I mean, now it's like eighty degrees wow. and hot, um, and it's humid, and this is much worse to run. And I feel I agree. But, yeah, so getting back to it, I just, in the days that I couldn't get out, um, because I was still working at the time, so it was in the middle of winter, so sunset is like three thirty four 4 o'clock. So the days that I would either work late or that I um, couldn't work, I'd either have two options. I'd run in the city before I'd leave to go home because all the streets were lit, so not a big deal. Or I'd go home and go to the gym and run on the treadmill. So either way, um, I'd still get my, my runs in. Tell
0: me about like how was your first run? Was it an outside run or an indoor run? How did it feel? Were you like, "This is awesome! I can't stop," or was it difficult? Like, what what was your first run like? Do you remember?
1: My first run was um, awful, uh, partly because it was like ten degrees outside. Oh, so you ran outside? Good for you! Okay, yeah, I ran outside because I read somewhere. You know, I do a lot of research and. even now I do more do research as I I keep learning about the sport because there's always stuff to learn. But they said, you know what, if you can go run outside, run outside, because that's where, if you're racing or whatever, that's where you're going to be running. You're not going to be running on a treadmill. You're not going to, so get your body used to the outside. Mm -hmm. And it was only like probably a mile, maybe a mile and a half. So it wasn't that long, but my pace was like over 12 minute pace so i was barely running and it was like that cold so i was frozen and on top of that i had forgotten my gloves oh um so i did videotape myself before and after the run i was like you know what i'm just going to do this for myself and then videotape it so that i have i can look back and see where i started and i encourage everybody to do that just to, I love so that. yeah if, if, not for anybody else's benefit but just for your own benefit to say this is where I started, and um, you know, this is physically. This is where I was physically, mentally, and, and here I am now. Whether it's a year, two years, ten years, this is where I started, and this is where I am now.
0: So, so uh, tell me, tell us where you are now. Like you, actually, let's talk about when did your running switch from a chore to actually doing what you were hoping it would do, which was, you know, processing your grief and and, and your emotions.
1: Um. So it, to me, I don't think I ever saw it as a chore because I was running for a cause. It was like, I'm doing uh-huh. this for somebody. So it was never to me like, I need to go out and do this. Yes, I did say that I needed to go out and do this, but I never had the feeling of, geez, I, I don't really want to do this because of, I mean, I did have those days. Everybody has those days where you just don't want to get out and run for whatever reason, whether it's a long day at work or it's cold outside. Or to me, it was more, I at least for that first three months before my first race, three or four months, I was just like, you know what, this is, I'm doing this for Andy, for Rob, for me. So I would just get up and do it during that time. I like and afterwards, that. it just became a part, like at some point, I don't know, I'd, subconsciously even I didn't even think about it it just I just ran four or five days a week whatever it was and at that and at some point I don't know it just subconsciously just flipped over to just hey you know what I could go further I could go faster I could I just started competing with myself
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I never compete with anybody else I'm not a huge competitor um I wasn't big into sports in high school I did play some tennis but apart from that I was a band geek so I was I'm not super competitive however with myself it's just it's the polar opposite I am super competitive with myself how much better can I be how far can I push myself and it just one goal was met and the other one and another one was met and another one was met yeah then I was just like you know what I can do this
0: So what began as running to help you process, I guess, grief and as a tribute to people close to you that either suffered or died from cancer, it turned into a passion to race for charity, right? So what does that mean? How did you find out about charity racing and how does it make you feel now? Like, Was your first race a charity race?
1: So my first race, it wasn't for charity, it was for a scholarship. I had a former teacher who had taught history for I don't know how many years. And he had passed away from, I don't think it was cancer, but he worked in, like, coal mines, I guess, years and years ago. So he had some problems with his lungs. I wasn't super close to him, like, because I never had him as a teacher. So they set up this scholarship in uh, his honor. And so there was a, there is a 5K race every year, except for this one because it was canceled this year, um, to raise money for that scholarship. Um, so... In a roundabout way, I guess you can call it a charity, but... Um, well, I
0: guess it's for a cause. Let's right. Put it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, and then um, when I first signed up for my race, my goal was to go from nothing to 10K. That was my first goal, was just right. go right to the 10K because I was like, 5K, I don't know if I thought it was too easy or it was just like, I needed a dip more difficult challenge. Um, so I went right from that to the Boston 10K, which was easier for me to do because I worked in Boston at the time and um, it was for a charity. It's for Dana-Farber sponsored by Dana-Farber. Okay, yep. So it was just kind of like, everything was right there as like an end to raise money or to, to have people donate right from the start. So um, I was like, you know what, this is great. And it was, and it was even better because that was what Andy was writing for as well. So it was, I just, everything just, I didn't even think of it like that until I was like, this is, a huge coincidence and I just ran with it no pun intended
0: (laughs) (laughs) so do you would you say that the races that you do now are are all for a cause or for for charity in in some way shape or form
1: yeah yes I've done a couple virtual races since this all started Mm -hmm. but like the 5k last year was for a scholarship Uh, 10k was for Dana Farber this one the half marathon that I'm training for now wasn't for a specific charity um I have a former coworker of mine who lives in New York his son his oldest son was diagnosed with um, non-Hobstin's lymphoma oh, no. back in I don't know the beginning of this year anyway or mm-hmm. last year so um I reached out to him and I was like hey you know I'm training it's what I already started training at this point but I hadn't found like a charity that I had started running for because it was in the near. It was way in the future. It was like six months away at this point because the race is still not here. It's it's in June. Um, I was like I reached out to him. I was like, "Hey, do you mind if I run for you?" Because even though I don't know, I want to. I always check unless it's like a huge charity thing. If it's for someone speci- specific, I I don't know. I just feel like I should check with you because a lot of people. Some people don't like being in the spotlight, you know? yeah. and I expect that. And if you don't want me, if you, I will still donate to your cause, but I'm going to be public about this. So I want you to be okay with me being public about it. Yeah. Um,
0: did you set up a fund for, for him? Is that what you did?
1: Yeah. I set up um, like a, I was like on Fundly or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so all, all the proceeds, it's another reason why, because a lot of charities, as good as they are, a portion of them take in, some amount of the money for you know to keep the, yeah, the just their the lights own mm-hmm. right? So I don't need to do that. All the money that is raised goes right to him and his family.
0: I love um, that. That's amazing, like, Dick. Really? Do you remember how much you raised?
1: Um, at the time he had started his own GoFundMe account as well. We kind of both worked together, I guess. I think it was somewhere. I think all in all, last time I checked, we were above four thousand, five thousand dollars. Wow. So,
0: that's amazing um, yeah, I, I I love that idea. I mean, I think a lot of people um, might be aware of you know running for charity teams within a race, but just starting your own fund for a friend and running for that cause. I don't think a lot of people are aware of that you know or that that that's a way to motivate yourself to to run for other people. i think I think that's really amazing. Really oh, it's a
1: huge it's just a huge motivator because yes you're you're not running for yourself at that point you're running for um somebody else and even or even more than somebody it's it could be with with tim case it's really his entire family yeah um, it's not just because they have medical bills now it's you know he has two sons and a wife and another on the way so it's Wow. Whether, whether that money goes to medical expenses or just to keep the lights on, I don't care. It's That's just... right.
0: It's just the, the fact that you are thinking about somebody else when you're running. So something that started out maybe as, or at least when we first started talking, it sounded like you were running to process your emotions. But more, more importantly, I think you are running as a tribute for for your friends and that's what motivates you. So, I think that's just different and extremely inspiring. <laughs> so, great job, Jake. I'm I'm really impressed. <laughs>
1: Thanks. <laughs> yeah,
0: of course. So, let's talk about determination. So, in our phone conversation prior to this interview, I had told you that, you know, I before I started running 15 years ago, I would stand on the sidelines of the New York City Marathon typically with a cigarette in hand. And cheering on the runners in like complete awe and admiration, right? I love being there. I soaked up the atmosphere more as a spectator, of course, but always thought that will never be me. I will never be able to do that as in running a marathon. But you you responded in a very interesting way. You said, um, do you remember what you said?
1: I think you sent it to me somewhere, but. Um...
0: Well, you said, It's not so much that I thought I couldn't do it. I just didn't do it. So you went from, you weren't doing it because, you know, you said your sister ran track or uh, cross country in high school, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. You,
0: you weren't, you were just not much of a runner. You played in a band and it was just not, you never thought about it as in a way like me that you couldn't do it. You just, it wasn't on your radar. So when you did start running, and you realized, okay, I can actually do this, now you're starting to compete with yourself, right? And um, you started working with a coach recently, right? So what's, what's that about, and, and how is she helping you?
1: So yeah, so I moved back to Maine from Boston about a, well, a little less than a year ago now. It was the end of last summer. And um, it's way different up here than it is down in Boston because there aren't any people around here. You go out, well, at least when I was working in Boston, <laughs> yes. you go out on the street and there was thousands of people. So, you know, whether it was run groups or whatever, but there was always some local like 5k going on, whether it was in Cambridge or Boston itself. So you yeah, always... Yeah, with the local run. running groups or running clubs. Right. Yeah, yeah. you could just go out and run in the city uh, with people that were also... So, and here it, I don't have anybody for miles. Mm-hmm. Um, So I looked, when I first moved back, I kind of half-assed looked for like a running community. At the time, I was still moving back and um, just kind of getting all my ducks in a row. So I just kind of did a quick search, didn't find anything, and just kind of went on running by myself. Fast forward to January, February, whenever I started training for this race, and I was running by myself because of, partly because of COVID, so I was like, you know what, I'll just do it by myself, and um, not worry about it too much, and so at the end of April, did another Google search, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do this again, and I'm going to be more serious about it this time. So, I did a search for just running communities in the area. I found one. That's the only one I found was one, which is all you need, really. As yeah. Long as one. Exactly. Yeah, um, and it was kind of a weird time to come in because of all the COVID stuff. And I, sent, I just sent an email. I just sent an email to this person I didn't even know. And she got back to me and was like, let me know. From there, it just took off. And um, the first thing that she had me do was a 5K. And I was like, kind of wary about it because I was like, really? You want me to do a 5K? I mean, I'm training for a half marathon, but I was skeptical. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, I'd send you my my times. Why are you, you, and I think it was just trying to get a a base. Now that I I know her, it's just to get a base of of where I needed to start. Right. And I was like, okay, well, how do you, how do you want me to run? Do you want me to run, you know, easy, hard? She's like, just go out give you all and then get back to me with your time so i i ran that got back to her and i actually ran a pr time and she was i was like this i've never run this fast so okay so
0: so let me so you started your very first run was around a 12 minute mile and then as you progressed what was before you did your pr like what would your 5k rate pace be on average
1: Um, i think i was running Well, my first 5K race, I ran um, a 26.57, and then I had done another 5K race, and I came in at, like, 25, so I shaved a little bit of time off, Mm
2: -hmm. so I think
1: that's, like, 8.30 pace, Mm -hmm. Um, and this one, um, so I came in at, like, 22-something.
2: Wow, okay. Um,
1: So, I think it was just the fact that the last, I tend to pace myself, because I'm, and I tend to pace myself on like the easy side i guess you'd say
0: because mm-hmm.
1: i don't want to get halfway through the race and just and not be able to- yeah exactly so and, but this one was just a trial so i was just like you know what she's like just give it yeah. all so basically i just sprinted mm-hmm. um the 3.1 miles cool um,
0: well i think i think it goes back to what you said before it wasn't it's not so much you can't do it it's just that you don't think about it like when you you run your first 5K, whether it be in a race setting or not, you just run it to finish, right? And then you right. spend your time, you're like, okay, now you have a baseline. The next time you run, you compete with yourself because I'm exactly like you. I don't compete with anyone other than myself, and I just want to beat that time. And then then it's it's it becomes a different dynamic in your head, and your coach is doing the same thing. She's telling you, you know. You're interested in getting faster. Here's how you do it. And you don't know until you try, right? Right. So yes. what's, your, what's your goal for your 10K?
1: Or sorry, half marathon. Um, I want to get under two. Nice. And you so will. That's my, that's my base goal. Right now, I, when I, before I started working with my coach, um, and I was coming in, I would have come in at like 205, 206. Mm-hmm. And then I started working with my coach, and I, right off the bat, I noticed a huge increase in my times. Not only is she having me do more speed work, she's having me do hills. I had never done hill sprints, partly because just the training that I downloaded just never had me do them. I, again, I would have done them if I had them in the training plan, but I didn't. I had done, so I've done interval training, but I had never done hill sprints or just an all-out sprint for you know, three miles for three miles. So just different things that she knows she's been coaching for a while. What's effective, what's necessarily not as effective. I mean, I'm sure that there is no wrong answer to getting faster, apart from just don't do the same thing every time.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So you, I would get there by myself eventually. It's just, I'm getting there faster with my coach.
0: Well... I love that that you went from just all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start running as a tribute to my old boss and friend. To I'm gonna run races as a tribute and for a cause and maybe for charity. To now I want to work on getting faster. And you went out and went. So you have this whole evolution of your running career that is. That's from, you know, just a year and a half ago to now where you were working with a coach. I think that's, that's amazing. And I love, you know, your attitude um, of making your races for somebody or you're running in general for somebody. I I really love that. So, so to close, we know what you're training for right now. You're training for this half marathon. When is it?
1: Um, It's supposed to be, it was, I want to say canceled, but it's not been canceled. It's turned into a virtual race. Yep. So. I It was supposed to be June 6th. I think I'm going to wait until another week after that because um, I want to get sent. They said they're going to send the stuff out that you normally would get on race day. Um, and that's just me being kind of greedy in a way because I want... Oh, You want your shirt and your bib, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I get it. So I want that to be... And they said they're going to send that at the beginning of June. So I probably will be able to do the race that week later so like the 12th or the 13th whatever saturday or sunday that is yeah Um, so yeah and there's a a nice um trail in the next town over um that's used for um right they have a race on it every year 5k a 10k and a half marathon but the trail conveniently is six and a half miles down and six and a half miles back so it's 13
0: perfect uh, and that's the trail you're gonna run for your uh, virtual half
1: yeah yep it's just a bike path, run path through the woods.
0: It sounds beautiful. So when, when we start actually back into real racing with actual people, with other racers, what is your favorite part about racing?
1: Um, just the atmosphere, honestly, uh, the atmosphere is electric. My first race in Boston, it was totally overwhelming because you have thousands and I'm sure you saw us in New York you have thousands and thousands of people just mobbed on the right. sides of the road just cheering for people they they might know one person that's running it but they cheer for everybody and yeah um you know you have your name on your bib and this person who you don't even know is shouting your name and it's just it's electric um, I,
0: I agree. That's, that's also my favorite part about racing. <laughs> um, and then what is your biggest racing goal? Are you eyeballing a marathon at some point?
1: Yeah. So the plan was before all this started was to do a half marathon, complete it and then train for the Philly marathon. And like, I think it's in November. Okay. Uh, wow. So that was, that was the initial plan. I don't think that's going to happen this year though.
0: Because of the potential cancellation
1: or because because of something because else? Of, no, because of the cancellation. Yeah. But I, I mean, I've looked around at different ones and they have a couple different, a couple marathons in Maine actually. There's the Old Port Marathon and there's the Maine Marathon, which are both. Mm-hmm. But they are, not only are they extremely hilly, the spectators on them aren't, because I mean, there's hardly, not that there's hardly anybody up here, but there's significantly less people in this state than in any given other city. Um, So it's just the spectators. And so I don't know if I would just need that extra push for, you know, double the mileage.
0: Definitely. Um, uh,
1: So I'd rather do at least my first one in a city that's, you know, fairly flat on sea level and. um, With lots of people with lots of people and as added bonus i have a brother who lives just outside of philadelphia so my plan was to go down visit and then everyone would come to the race and all that stuff so, that's
0: awesome well fingers i mean okay it, first things first run your run your half marathon in in a couple weeks i think we're all sort of on pins and needles what um the fall races are looking like and um but, you know, I would encourage you to keep it as a goal. And if it happens, you can pick up your training again because you're, you're already at a half marathon training level. So I'd say stick to the plan somewhat mentally. And if it doesn't work out, then cross that bridge when you get to it, I guess.
1: Right. And um, so the plan for right now is to at least run the run half. Um, I am going on a quick vacation once I get back. Um, at the very least, I'll just maintain where I am now. But, I mean, like you said, I'll sign up for it. I haven't signed up for it yet, uh, but Philly's not till November. So I'll sign up for it. And if it does get postponed, all the races are just deferring to 2021 at this point. Right. Um, so if you sign up for it. Um, at least you have you
0: one on the calendar the next year.
1: Right. right. <laughs> all so, right.
0: Last so. question. What would you tell someone who is struggling with whatever, whether it be grief or or health or whatever, and thinks that running is for just for other people? What would you tell them to, to get them to try?
1: As cliche as it sounds, just go out and do it. It makes you, I mean, it's a huge euphoria. It's just, it releases stress hormones to help you just feel better. Just know that there are people that you can, reach out to even uh or become part of a community if you need to become part of a community, do it. Um yeah. community. just uh some people don't like running alone. Me personally, um, just as a side note, I know people that hate virtual races. And for me, you you're running for yourself anyway. So a virtual race apart from the atmosphere doesn't do anything for you except for that atmosphere. You're still running for yourself. Right. So just make sure that you're Running for yourself, and you know it's okay to start off slow. Just complete it. Just do it to to get it to complete it, and you will feel like, whether it's a a mile, a half mile, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that first mile is the hardest. It always is. Even now, um you get out there, and even if you stretch, and warm up, that first mile feels like you're gonna you're gonna fall over.
0: (laughs) It feels like your legs are bricks. I am completely in agreement. But yeah, I I like what you said. It's like don't think about what it feels like before or during. Focus on what it's going to feel like afterwards. Right? Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah, it's just a huge sense of accomplishment, and it doesn't like I have friends that we're supposed to do a, a 5K for autism in September,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and as far as we know, it's still going on, and um, it's just something that my my job set up, um, you know, because we work with kids with autism, so. We're going to run for autism awareness. And they're like, I really want to do it, but I'm not sure. I was like, you don't have to run it even. You can walk. You can yes. walk the three miles.
2: Totally. It doesn't
1: matter what you do. Just do it. It's for a good cause. You know, I promise, well, I'll be there to support you, whether it's running beside you or cheering you on or um, from, the, you know, maybe somebody finishes first, but that person is not going to leave. You're not going to be alone. So they'll be there cheering you on at the end or somewhere in the middle or right there beside you, running next to you or walking next to you. Just, just go out there and complete it. And it'll open up doors for you. I promise whether it's, it might not be professionally running, but it's just, it's an outlet, definitely an outlet. Totally. Yes. Yes. For anyone.
0: Yep. Well, I I love that outlook. I love how you turned running into a, sh- a sharing experience, you know, cause you're not, you're running. Yes. You're running for yourself, but you're thinking about other people when you run you Jacob and how other people can do that. They can run as a tribute for um, their friends and family. They can run for charity, whatever. Um, it's just a different way to approach running. And I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing your story and your perspective on running. And I wish you the best of luck for your half marathon, your virtual half marathon and fingers crossed that you get to run Philadelphia in November. So with that, thank you and have a wonderful weekend and um, we'll be in touch.
1: Thanks so much.
0: All right. Thanks Jacob. Bye-bye thank you so much for joining me today for this episode of I quit blank and started running I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jacob as much as I did not only because he has a huge heart and from what I can tell from afar an infectious smile but because his running takes on a whole new meaning for him and the people around him and hopefully for you as well Jacob wants you to know that his fundraising efforts have now been merged into a single GoFundMe page and that they have raised a combined $70,000 plus since December of last year. If you would like to support Jacob's half marathon on behalf of his friend's son, Milo, and make a contribution for Milo's treatment of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, go to GoFundMe.com and search for Milo Ireland. On behalf of Jacob and Milo's family, thank you. Now, some final notes before we go. If you've had a challenge or obstacle in your life that you've conquered by getting into running, we would love to hear your story. To enter, just email us at quitxstartrunning at gmail.com with a brief introduction and an overview of your story. We look forward to receiving your submissions. In case you're looking for me in other corners of the World Wide Web, the best way to find me is on Facebook and Instagram under my name Antonia de Heinrich that is A-N-T-O-N-I-A-D-E-H-E-I-N-R-I-C-H and on the I Quit X and Started Running Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining me today and I look forward to hosting marathon champion Stephanie Andre in my next episode titled I Quit Smoking and Ran in the Olympic Marathon Trials scheduled for next Monday, June 8th. Until then, my friends, quit whatever you're doing and start running.